Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. We're going to look at a psalm that is in the Miktam style that David wrote. And this was for the choir director. It says, for Jonah Elam Rehokim, the guy who was the current, we'd say, worship leader of the day back then. And so David made this miktam. Now, miktam is a little bit different. A miktam is the English word. I don't even, it's hard for me to say. It's an epigrammatic poem. Now, the style that this epigrammatic style, I had to look up in Webster's. What is epigram? I don't, I wasn't an English major. So I just refer to Webster's on it. And I'll read it to you what Webster's wrote. He wrote, an epigram is a concise poem dealing pointedly and often satirically with a single thought or event. And it's often ending with an ingenious turn or thought. That's the first definition Webster gives. The second definition he gives of an epigram is that it's a tease or a sage or a witty paradoxical style of a saying. It can be humorful. It can be very thought-provoking. It can be sticking to one thought and then kind of wrap it up with a little satire. Sometimes satires can point out something in a sarcastic way. Sometimes we pick out truths and we learn truths when someone uses sarcasm. You know, you say, well, I don't know if God's going to provide. Oh, really? And you can be sarcastic. Yeah, he's probably not going to. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, sure. Never has before, right? You can be sarcastic about it and bring out the truth that, look, God always provides. And this psalm will make a lot more sense if I take a moment to show you what was going on in the life of David. Oh, at the top of my notes, it actually tells me when the psalm was written. And whenever it tells me those things, I always try to find, is there a place in the Bible where that story is recorded for me or in history so I can glean a little bit of insight? What was going on with David? Well, this is the part you guys probably know the story already, but I'll just refresh your memory. My Bible tells me at the top, this David wrote when the Philistines seized him in Gath. So look at 1 Samuel 21, and I'll show you what was going on. This is the story that takes place after David had run away from, well, Saul was chasing him. He had gone to the priest and asked him, do you have any bread to eat? And he said, well, only the bread that's put before the table of showbread. It's called the 12 loaves that sit before the presence of the Lord. And he goes, well, that'll do. Well, only if you've kept yourselves from women and you've been consecrated, you know, then I could give it to you. He's, oh yeah, we haven't had any women. We've been on the run. I mean, we've been on the king's business for a while. And that was the one we saw a couple weeks ago that got, well, a bunch of priests killed because Doeg was there, the Edomite who overheard the whole conversation in the beginning of 1 Samuel 21. And he would later go and tell Saul on David. Yeah, I saw David on the run. He was over there with the priest. And so Saul called for the priest and told his men to fall upon the priest and kill him. His men wouldn't do it. But Doeg, this Edomite foreigner, said, oh, I'll do it for you, king. And he slayed those servants of the Lord there before Saul. And David, when he found out about that, we saw that he wrote a psalm that we studied a few weeks ago. Now we come to what happened next. After David fled from there, he had said, I'm on urgent business, we saw. And he says, so do you got a weapon? 
And the priest says, well, there's only the sword of Goliath in verse nine, that the Philistine, which you killed in Ella, behold, it's wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you would take it for yourself, he says, then take it. That's the only sword we got. And David said, there's none like it. Give it to me. Now, remember when David was a young man, he used that sword to lop off the head of Goliath. It was Goliath's own sword. And so he says, okay, I'll take it. He had just told the priest a lie. He had said, I'm on urgent business for the king. I didn't even have time to stop in and get my stuff. So I need a weapon too. You know, I need something to eat and a weapon and uh, I'll be on my way. Well, after this, David, verse 10, arose and fled from Saul that day. And he went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said, is this not David, the king of the land? Isn't it interesting that enemies knew that God had anointed David to be the next king. But David is on the run from Saul, who doesn't want to give up the uh, crown so easily to David. And so they said, isn't this David? Did they not sing of this one as they danced, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, David has slain his tens of thousands. And so David took these words to heart and listened to what he did in verse 12. And he greatly feared Achish, the king of Gath. So it says, he disguised his sanity before them. He acted insanely in their hands. He scribbled on the doors of the gate and let his saliva run down into his beard. He's like drooling on himself. And he's scribbling on their gates. And Achish says to his servants, behold, you see this man behaving as a madman. Why did you bring him to me? Do I lack madmen that you brought me an extra one? To act like a madman in my presence? Come on, should this guy come into my house? Like, get him out of here. And so David departed from there and he escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard of it, they went down to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was discontented, they gathered to David and he became captain over them. There was about 400 men. This is a great way to start a group, isn't it? Get all the people that are in distress, everyone that's in debt, and everyone that's discontent. You know this is a recipe for a good soup, right? This is going to be the kind of guys you want to hang out with. And David, they all gather to David. He gets to be the leader of Robin Hood's Merry Men, the bad guys. You ever wonder where they got the inspiration for that Robin Hood? I think they got it from reading the Bible. They just read about David and went, hey, this would make a good story. We'll just change his name. David to Robin Hood, and we'll make him rob from the rich, give to the poor. Because if you read this passage, as you know here in Samuel, does David lead raids? Yeah. And the king says, where have you been? Oh, just going out fighting against the enemy. When he was actually plundering and not leaving anyone alive to tell what he was doing as he was actually taking out the enemies of Israel. He was doing this while in the enemy king's house. Yeah, it was a good day. But he didn't leave anyone alive to come back to tell on him what he was up to. In between here, we see David, he was fleeing Saul on one ridge. Saul, his men on the one side, the ravine between them, and David's men on the other side, they're running, trying to get away from him. And right before they catch up to him, a messenger comes to Saul and says, hey, by the way, Saul, the Philistines are attacking. You got to go defend the homeland. And so he has to turn and break off his pursuit of David. And David wrote that Psalm, basically, thank you, Lord, you spared me at the last minute. You know, the last second. Oh, Lord, it was so close. 
but you're so great. You always come through at the last second. That, that's what I call the last second psalm that we were just studying a couple weeks ago. Well, that psalm he wrote, and if you ever wonder why they group these psalms together, 54, 55, 56, because each one of these psalms were written as God delivered David over and over and over. But the deliverance he's going to do for David tonight, I mean, the one deliverance was just having a messenger come and say the Philistines are attacking. That delivered David back then. There was another time he was delivered. The Lord pulled off these different miracles to deliver David. But this one, it says David was afraid. Now, we were never afraid, right? When we're on God's business, we don't have to be afraid. But he's, he's on the Lord's business and he's got an enemy. And unfortunately, the enemy is the person who's the current power to be. He's the king. And God has already sent a prophet to anoint David, that David would be the next king. And my question to you is, when I read you this in 1 Samuel 21, did you notice that the people of Gath, the enemy, knew that this guy, David, what's he doing coming here? Why is the king, is this not the king of the land, they asked? Did they not know that God's calling on this man was to be the next king? It's ironic that the enemy can even notice our calling. And we're so busy on the run sometimes, not really focused on the Lord. By the way, this is one of the Psalms that it really fits that, that Miktah style because he's going to write a very satirical thing as he writes this. Look at his point of view. He was afraid. You know, fear makes us do crazy things. It doesn't make logical sense. You can't put logic around fears. Some people have fears and you say, but what are you afraid of that for? It's not going to hurt you. I'm afraid. And if they even think about what they're afraid of, they could say, I'm afraid of spiders. There's no spider right now. Well, I thought of one and now I'm afraid. Whenever that fear hits, it just grips them and they just paralyze. I'm paralyzed. You're like, but why are you paralyzed? I'm afraid of heights, but we're on the ground. But I thought of being up high. You know, some people can just think of what they're afraid of and their heart rate will speed up. Their stomach will tighten. They start getting cramps in their stomach and heartburn. Just from thinking about the thing, the fear can just create such bad feedback in our bodies. Well, it doesn't only produce those things in our physical body, but it also can translate out in our outward actions. We can do some stupid things when we're afraid. This is one of David's, I think, more stupid things he did. He started to scribble on the gate of the king of Gath's gate. You know, give me a crayon. He's drawing all over the guy's gate and he's drooling and acting like a madman. Now, was David a madman? No, but he put on this act because of one thing, fear. Fear will make you do nutso things. Now, in the New Testament, when Paul is writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, he says, God did not give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of love, of power, and a sound mind or discipline. He gave us these. It's actually a different order. It says a power, love, and a sound mind. But those three things are from God. He gave you his power, his love, his discipline, his soundness of your mind. But why was Paul writing to Timothy these words? Do you guys remember? Was Timothy 
afraid? He said, Timothy, don't be so timid. Poor guy, you're afraid. Don't be afraid. The Bible says if God is for us, who can be against us? When we got the Lord for us, what do we have to worry? But I love that David, God said he was a man after my own heart. And even when David did stupid things, God showed him his hand of covering, his hand of protection. You know, isn't it nice that the Lord looks after us even when we do dumb stuff? It's one of the beautiful things that are born out in this psalm tonight. Let's look at the psalm now. As we look at Psalm 56, it's just a short psalm, just um, 13 verses, but let me read it to you. And you see if you see anything kind of him making a little point. And now that you know he's writing it when he was, just think of him with some drool in his beard. Okay, and, and maybe the crayon's still in his hand or whatever he scribbled on the gate with. And he's gotten away and he writes this song. He says, be gracious to me, O God, for man has trampled upon me. Fighting all day long, he oppresses me. My foes have trampled upon me all day long, for they are many who fight proudly against me. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust, I shall not be afraid. What can mere men do to me? There's a bit of satire here because he was afraid of mere men. Yeah, crazy because of them. But after he gets away, he starts thinking, hmm, what can men do to me? All day long, he says, they distort my words and their thoughts are against me for evil. They attack, they lurk, they watch my steps. And they have waited to take my life. Because of wickedness, cast them forth. In anger, put down peoples, O God. He says, you have taken account of my wanderings. You have put my tears in a bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? You notice this same line reoccurs in the psalm. So this is what we would call the chorus. In God, I praise, I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? We need to make that into the next contemporary praise song. In God, I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? He says, your vows are binding on me, O God. I will render a thank offering to you. For you have delivered my soul from death, indeed my feet from stumbling, so that I might walk before God in the light of the living. This is the part of that type of epigrammatic poem where he turns the thought at the end to that really thoughtful thing that God, you delivered me so my feet wouldn't stumble. You made it so I could walk before you in the light of the living. You made me stay alive. And David, after considering, I mean, I don't know if the drool was still fresh in his beard and he was thinking, ah, oh, that was a close call. My enemy had me. They had me. And they were taking me before the king. Maybe he didn't handle it right. But, you know, we even get to see what fear does. And David says, but you, God, delivered me. Was it his craziness that delivered him, according to David? No, he doesn't even write about it. the drool. 
He doesn't write about the Quran. He doesn't write about the stuff. He writes about God. In all the craziness, he sees the hand of God in his life. By the way, if I would just step back a little, I could probably say, sometimes we're too focused on the craziness and the crazies that come around. We need to have David's perspective. Step back and go, wait a minute, God, you worked this all out. Because the king could have said, this dude's crazy, throw him in jail. He's the one they saying has killed his tens of thousands. We don't need a guy like that out on the loose. Lock him up. But instead he says, no, God, you delivered me. How many times has the Lord delivered us? That we could sing this very psalm. We could sing the same words. But I like that David says, in God, I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. See, he actually recognizes the cure for his fear. The cure to fear is learning who to trust. Because some people say, oh, I'm afraid of swimming. I, I just can't do it. I, I can't get in the pool. You tell them, well, come with me and we'll bring you with some very skilled swimmers. I got my son and you know a couple of other swimmers that I know, and we'll go with you. We'll be there for you. If you feel there's someone who you trust that will rescue you, if you start to go down, they're going to get you. Does it change how you feel? You can still feel afraid or apprehensive. But something happens to the fear, that, that paralyzing part of it, when you have someone that you can actually lean on, that you can trust, that you can get through it. See, David, I think he almost went paralyzed when he started drooling. I think he knew that what it does inside, the crazies that come out, the illogical, goofy stuff we come up with when we're afraid. And he went, you know what? I contemplated that. There was the only thing that pulled me out of that. In God, I have put my trust. In him, I shall not be afraid. See, when we put our trust in him, well, he's better than any best swimmer or better than any lifeguard. We got the best guy on the job looking out for us. And David says, then what can man do to me? Fear of man is a real fear. It's one that the Proverbs actually address. I remember in Proverbs 29, verse 25, the fear of man, it brings a snare, but he who trusts the Lord will be exalted. Sometimes leaders are afraid of other men. The Bible says it brings a snare. I mean, it did for David. Whenever he was afraid of men, he did stupid stuff. The rest of the Proverbs says, but he who trusts in the Lord They'll be exalted. I don't know about you. Does anyone else want to be exalted by the Lord? It says, if you humble yourself, he lifts you up. He exalts you to that position that he has for you. And he knows what position you can handle. Some guys, they can't be exalted too much or they get nosebleeds and freak out or they don't do well. So he just says, you're good right where you are. But David, David says, I put my trust in the Lord. I hope this encourages you. If David could come to learn this after he was drooling on himself because he was afraid of men, do you think we could learn this to trust the Lord? And when we get afraid of something, we could just think back, wait a minute, who am I putting my trust in? If you want to overcome fears, I suggest to you, you learn 
to put your trust in God. He is the best person at delivering us from all our fears. It could be fear of death. By the way, they say that's the root of all fears. Every fear they say in psychology is rooted in the fear of death. Guy says, I'm not afraid of death. I'm afraid of flying in an airplane. Really? Why are you afraid of flying? Well, it might have an accident. And then what would happen? I would die. Well, okay, we got back to death. Or, you know, somebody says, I'm afraid of falling. You know, I would never skydive. That would be horrible. I said, really? Why would it be horrible? Well, because you could flat on the ground. I said, you're not really afraid of the fall then. You're afraid of the sudden stop at the end and what it will do to you. So really, if you boil it down, you're really afraid of what? Of dying. And they say all these fears, fear of heights, fear of different critters. Why are you afraid of sharks? Because they might bite me and eat me and I die. It all goes back to the same root. But there is one who I can put my trust in that can help me overcome even the fear of death. And that's the Lord. Because Jesus said, I came to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. You don't have to be afraid of dying. The Bible says, if we live for Christ, even if we die, do we die? No, we just move. Paul says, when we're absent from this body, then we're present with the Lord. Like we sang some glad morning, when this life is over, what are we going to do? Fly away. We're going to be with him. And so we don't have to even be afraid. If we put our trust in him, that's the real antidote to fear is having the right person to put your trust in. And God will help you overcome your fears if you'll do that. Guys, I love the scriptures because it teaches us the truth to put our trust in the Lord. And how much can he handle? Everything. So I don't have to be afraid. And like the author here in this 29th proverb says, I don't even have to be afraid of men. It's a snare. Don't be afraid of men. Don't have to. Just follow the Lord. Put your trust in him and he'll help you through your fears. Whatever they might be, he's there for you. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona. Lord's been good to Abraham.